Hello and welcome. Thanks everyone for joining us. It's February the 11th as we're recording this. And so it's uh, hard to believe that in a few days, February will be half over. It's one of those fast months, uh, the only 28 days this year. But thanks for joining us. Brent, you've been traveling a lot. I've been traveling a lot, but we have some great content I wanted to, to mention a little bit. Let's kick it off, Brent, by you talking about crop insurance because it's February and corn and soybean production. We're thinking about crop insurance prices. Yeah, and it started, it's well underway. We wrote a little article, kind of just taking a look at it. For one thing, I was curious as to how much prices have changed. Just for instance, a, a month ago or so, I was sitting there thinking, well, I wonder if we should be like doing something to protect against these crop insurance prices. And didn't do that. And then started thinking about, well, I wonder how much uh, these things have changed, you know, over time. So once the discovery period opens up, you know, it's basically a weighted or moving average of, of the prices. And um, so wanted to do that. And so sat down and looked at corn and there's a couple of things that are worth noting. So basically, if you look back at the corn prices, this, you know, we started at the fourth highest level ever since revenue insurance started in 2011. This is the fourth highest starting number. The biggest change that we've ever seen during that time period was a 35 cent decline in 2013 when prices really, really dropped. The biggest increase was last year, I believe, where we saw a 23 cent increase over that time period. We started at 448 ended at 471 uh, and the final you know average was 458 so when you look at the average how much did that average change the biggest was a 14 cent swing up and the biggest decline was 27 cents down so just to give you a sense that means that you know this i think it's pretty safe to say these corn prices are going to be amongst the very highest that we've ever seen. And then when you go to soybeans, the same kind of thing comes about. But what we see with soybeans, actually, this is, we started 1382 was the highest soybean price ever for a starting position. As you might expect, soybeans tend to move more. And it's, you know, I always figure like, two and a half or for a rough rule of thumb time price volatility for soybeans is maybe a little bit, not quite that much, but the biggest increase from start to end was 71 cents on the average. The big, most it moved up was 37 cents. The most it came down was 50 cents. So if you kind of apply those, we're still looking at a soybean crop insurance price. It's going to be among the the very highest that we've ever seen, if not the highest. And, you know, we kind of looked at price ratios in there and the big story in soybeans in the last month has been the rapid increase in the soybean to corn price ratio. So today, uh, when that insurance period started, started at 2.41, which is well above where it was. So soybeans are getting much more competitive. On top of that, you know, with um, the higher fertilizer costs, which we had talked about before, uh, soybeans have gotten awfully competitive. And I think that's why you're seeing the strength in the corn market as well right now. So, you know, it's kind of shaking out. The acreage battle, I think, is starting to get real, uh, real fast. And uh, it's going to be really 
fun to kind of watch how it proceeds. So I think it's going to be interesting. There could a lot of be a lot of headlines March 1st to say soybean prices at the highest crop insurance level ever. And last year, the headlines was soybean corn price ratio, the highest ever observed. Now, those are very different conclusions. I think we want to get past the soybeans are, you know, soybeans fill in the blank best ever. <laughs> and I think that's where we've been the last two years. But these are very, very different. So last year, it was the relative price was better for soybeans. This year, it's the absolute price. And producers make decisions based on budgets and expected returns. And we have to keep that in mind because there'll be a lot of commentary about prices and how this wraps up because it's, it's setting up the stage for a potentially favorable year for 2020. Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, I think the budget situation has only gotten better in the last month. And uh, when you look at it again, it, it just seems to me that things are shaking out uh, similar to last year. And, uh, you know, I I don't think this data tells us that the overall outlook, acreage outlook has shifted greatly in the last month. It's just both crops are competitive and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. So Brent, another thing I want to mention here is the Ag Forecast Network question about the probability of China's purchases of U.S. ag products in 2021 exceeding $35 billion got resolved this week with the latest data dump. $35.9 35.9 billion in purchases. It's an absolute record. We previously got, you know, 29 billion is what we almost got last year, but those were the highs back in 2012, 13, a little bit in 2014 period. Of course, during the trade war, we slipped below 15 billion. So a big increase from the record, 25% year over year increase, more than doubling of the trade war conditions. So check your scores. We're going to ask a new question for 2022 because the question for 2022 is, will China keep up this, you know, this level of pace? A couple of things I want to point out. It wasn't driven by soybeans. So soybean purchases on a dollar basis were actually pretty much near the previous highs of last year and going all the way back to the, the mid-2000s or 2011, 2012 to 2014 window. It's been the non-soybean purchases. So in the past, soybeans are about half of the total. This year, it slipped. So a big increase in non-soybean purchases. We're going to dive into this in future articles. But in a previous article this summer, we noted that corn was a big source of that change. So big development coming out of China, positive story for ag. We'll see how this plays out in the next year. I'll share my score, 50th percentile rank. So I... uh, didn't ratchet my forecast up fast enough, I suppose. So a lot of you listeners out there did uh, better than I did on this one. So I was shooting right down the middle of the road. So yeah, and I, I didn't forecast that question very actively, but I do have some thoughts about it. I, I've seen a lot of headlines. This is where I think it's worthwhile just step back and think about things. So a lot of the headlines will say, well, we didn't meet the phase one trade targets and, you know, kind of implying that you know, it's bad and all these other things. And, um, you know, the, the reality is on the ag side, we had a very good year with China, the best year we've ever had. And I think it's important not to let the headlines give you the wrong impression. For agriculture, very good year with China uh, appears to be headed toward another one. So just keep that in mind and don't get caught up just reading headlines, which might 
make you think that it was disappointing or, or other things. So I, I certainly don't think it was. One last thought for today, Brent, I'll share. Of course, it was Groundhog's Day earlier this month. And of course, I like to remind everybody the accuracy rate of Puck's Tawny Phil is about 107 times in the past. He has forecasted more winter, 20 of the times he's forecasted in early spring. Um, so his bias here is to really forecast more winter, but his accuracy rate is 39%. So for all aspiring weather forecasters, flip a coin, you can be more accurate than the world's most famous rodent. So with that in mind, I encourage you to all remember the base rate, always remember the base rate, but then also stay curious. We'll catch you all next week. Thanks so much. Thanks.